the Sage Tech Buzz, entertainment industry news and discussions that put you, the listener, front and center to it all. Each week we will focus on a topic that helps to better inform and educate our listening audience as to some of the thought processes, stagecraft fundamentals, and workplace safety items to keep in mind, so you can effectively execute and deliver each and every day. And now, here is your host, David Sage. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Sage Tech Buzz. Today, Tim and I have the opportunity to talk to a friend and a colleague in the business, Carrie Ann Friedman. Carrie's a freelance production manager who works on a lot of different corporate trade show and special events throughout the country, and we're excited to have her on today. So, Carrie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Carrie, you've had the opportunity since this pandemic started to continue working, but obviously in a different environment. Can you tell our listening audience how you got involved in beginning to work in this new virtual event realm? Well, like many people, after the panic subsided, um, I started to reassess some of my skills and also some of my options. And then luckily enough, some of my allies and colleagues in the industry reached out to me. Uh, One company started the trend in particular, and I started doing virtual events in June. And it just, it really was a pretty natural transition Uh, A lot of the skills that live events have already endowed in me and in other people like me in a production management capacity, it translated well to the virtual space. Uh, So it just kind of started with a phone call. I got a Dropbox link with major documents and workflow uh, explaining expectations, really. And the rest of it has been very much an organic experience. So each project demands different needs, different support, and also just different ingenuity based on what the client does or doesn't know, which you will learn quickly. It's kind of the Wild West, and a lot of people don't know what they're getting into. Mm. So it sounds like some production companies out there have been fortunate enough to have some opportunities with clientele in this new virtual platform space, which is great. And you know, to your point, the pre-production end of things might be somewhat of the same process whereby you're receiving a bunch of information and documentation to go through and then wrapping your head around it. But you know, what does a virtual event look like? And I know that sounds like a loaded question and obviously lots to unpack here, but can you kind of walk our listening audience through what you have experienced thus far? Uh, so a virtual event, um, because we're working in such a new, fast-paced live event space. I mean, yes, there were virtual events before this whole pandemic and before the whole transition. However, the demand and what they want virtual events to encompass now has drastically changed. So there, this isn't a cop-out answer when I say this, but the actual model of a virtual event and what it looks like is still evolving. Uh, What people expect out of them is still evolving. So For the most part, if we want to talk assets, uh, yes, there are graphics. Yes, there is video switching. Yes, there's audio and music. Sometimes there are special guests, whatever. However, what people can and can't do inside their specific platforms is based on what the clients have really thought or think they want in these different events and these different platforms, functionality, interaction from the audience, just general engagement. Like people are still trying to figure out how this 
creates an experience. So the model for which to build it in or around is still completely contextual based on what the goals and the mission of the events are. Um, primary elements still do exist, like all of the disciplines that we're used to in a live event, but how they're utilized, how they're, uh, they're actually um, exercised has changed a lot. Carrie, can you give me an example or give us rather an example of how it was prior to what it is now, even though I know that it is still evolving? Okay. Um, yeah. So before in a traditional in-person event where all five of your senses are being invoked, uh, a lot of times you would have lighting, you would have audio, you would have a stage, you would have people, presenters, musicians, artists, uh, interludes, a program that was dynamic. You'd have props, you'd have uh, that more theatrical inclined vision and sense. And all of those different senses being invoked usually has its own discipline that supports it. Like audio, you have your whole audio team. Video, you have your video team switching. Lighting, you are changing, you're directing people's eye as well as the flow of the show with either visual elements to enhance the production or the presentation as well as music, what, all of that. Uh, each of those disciplines has its own team. Well, in the virtual space, a lot of those disciplines have either been done away with entirely, consolidated into one or two positions versus five. And people are having to be even more visual prior before they get all of the elements in play. Um, now in the virtual space for a really good example is uh, the operations of video and switching have completely taken on a new personality and a greater amount of responsibility. Um, for instance, one of the platforms I've had the most experience with lately is called vMix. Uh, vMix is an online broadcast studio. It's a studio platform. Um, it's been around actually prior to the pandemic, but it was only used as an auxiliary a support system for virtual uh, streaming and broadcasting. Uh, now it has become an extensive tool for many companies and they've invested in it. The problem with vMix and the wonderful thing about vMix is this one guy or this one gal is in charge of video switching, camera directing, shading, audio, and the video inputs and outputs they're in control of all of the background, like the green room feeds, if you have green room set up. Basically, they, and it goes on, they actually have about 13 different roles that they're playing in one position versus on site, you'd have at least eight people doing all of these things. So the responsibility and the pressure is enormous versus in an on site team because you would actually be physically able to delegate those tasks, but now it has been filtered into one place. Uh, that's really interesting coming from a stage management and show caller position because there is a latency that ends up affecting the show and you have to take that into account creatively. So it gets really interesting how all of those things, um, the audio department is completely broken down to basically two positions, three positions. Like you have your out, outbound streaming tech, which is basically the guy watching the signal and the audio out to the stream. Then you have your actual A1 position, but it's not an A1 position. They're just monitoring levels and making sure signals are consistent coming from 
said person in whatever country or whatever state or whatever backyard setup they have. And then you also have like a comms tech if you have some more advanced comms situations, which that's really all audio does in the virtual space at this point. I mean, you can see how this is the Wild West and how it's been condensed but redistributed. That's why I actually feel that this virtual space that we're functioning in is more difficult than our original space that we're coming from because people have take, have really taken for granted what it is to just show up to a show, do your presentation, walk away. And there's actually a lot more preparation necessary for a good show in the virtual space. She brings up a good point here, Tim. I mean, we touched on this in our first podcast about the importance of time allocation for a lot of these projects and making sure the proper conversations are taking place. And I think with what Carrie's just shared with us, what I'm hearing is now more than ever with live events turning to a virtual platform, there are a lot of new inner workings to assess out, such as the online platform being used, internet connections, communication systems, so on and so forth that just add to the pre-production checklist of items we were already dealing with for in-person events. So making sure everyone is aware of the game plan and the necessary steps to get there is really crucial to the overall success of these virtual events. Yeah, and it's also interesting too because um, especially the, high, the, the higher produced shows that are occurring on the internet. Uh, the DNC was a wonderful example of a very highly produced virtual event. Um, the, even the RNC, although it didn't have as much complexities as the DNC, um, the legwork, the initial legwork that goes into preparing all of those segments, whether pre-recorded or live, takes a lot. Getting people in the right time zone to show up here for their live segment takes a lot of planning. And it's just really interesting how people don't see that rhythm, especially now in this space. At least in a live show, you can see the production. You can physically feel the production because you're in it. Now people think that because they're in their home, they're not being broadcast to thousands of people. So it's an out of sight, out of mind, almost blase approach most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because people don't see the magnitude of support and personnel that really do support virtual events. Um, so Carrie, yes, in your current position right now, and I understand there are, are multiple positions based on your experience that people are looking for and relying on. Uh, can you give kind of just a quick synopsis of what you would do as, let's say, in this case, a show caller? Uh, yeah. So um, right now I'm mostly being contacted and contracted as a stage manager. Hi- stage manager is basically a hybrid of a production manager or project manager. And then also as a show caller. As a stage manager, I basically act as the main technical liaison inside of the broadcast studio, which is the space that you could really think of as a stage and the backstage. So I'm walking presenters through the actual technical elements of the, basically the DSM look or their presenter view, like what they're seeing on their screen, because we do send out different signals to each presenter based on what their needs are. Um, I'll walk them through all of that. Uh, I will make sure that they have their, all of their elements 
in, engaged, like their microphone, their video. If they have terrible lighting, I will tell them to adjust it. Um, there's a level of tenacity that comes with my position because I do end up talking to some pretty high-powered people, and I'm like, hey, you're in the dark. I really need you to turn on a light. So um, that there has to be a level of um, corporate friendliness and also directness in order to get people where we need them to be for the presentation. And then as a show caller, the added element, which sometimes I do get all three of these positions smashed into one show under my responsibility as a show caller, I'm then not only responsible for making sure all of my presenters are accounted for and available and up to speed technically, but I also have to make sure the program flows um, according to the show flow. If I haven't built it or if I've been handed it, uh, typically there is none. Um, but usually I always build one because I am old school theater. I do show flows and I do a run of show always. And I have to make sure all of the technical elements align and are called on time according to whatever loose plan the client had on their agenda. Um, I do treat the virtual space the same as I would a live show and I call in the same manner and the same semantics as a live show. And in the virtual space, sometimes the shows are live. So I am on a back channel with my entire crew, which can range from four people to 10 people. And I'm calling cues like a regular show on com. And if I'm not dealing with a show directly, I'm dealing with the flow of the show with the client and figuring out what we could do better, how we rehearse this, uh, when we're going to expect a certain person. Um, all of those responsibilities get kind of poured into the show caller or the stage manager PM position. Um, and you are in some kind of broadcast environment, though. Absolutely. Where you have these other disciplines to do the necessary technical. Correct. Um, we are always in the same space together. Uh, they typically, I'm the only one that can talk inside of the broadcast studio directly to the people on stage. Um, and then the rest of them can listen in to whatever's happening in the studio and they chime in on a different channel of, so we can speak separately as if a regular show, like um, the whole communication system is definitely like a regular show. And the fact that we have different channels, different spaces for different disciplines to be in contact with each other regularly and beyond time. I have a, it, depending on the needs of the show, we design that accordingly. But I'm always the person that they meet inside of the broadcast studio, no matter whether I'm a show caller or a stage manager. I am the person that will be their face and their voice. Well, that kind of segues into these opportunities you've had to be the on-site point of contact for the client's events. What are some of the procedures and safety measures taking place in the workplace today that you've experienced in trying to keep everyone safe while working somewhat closely together? So I've worked uh, fully 100% virtual shows where all of us are in our houses doing a show. And then I've also had my first official live broadcast show as of a week ago. So when it comes to safety measures, a lot of the companies I've been working with have completely 100% cloud-based studios where mm. everybody is 
logging into a specific cloud studio, broadcast studio, and all of us are basically remoting into the different assets and the different technology to run the show. Uh, then some of the other companies I've worked with do a hybrid. They have um, a lot of their main broadcast switching staff in a specific physical location while other positions remote in to participate and run the show. Then a full broadcast on site, which is what I experienced last week, um, we were actually on site with the client, specific small group of clients and the specific disciplines. And we were all in the same space, socially distanced with all of the san like sanitation uh, stations. Uh, we had nurses doing temperature checks. Um, we had basically a modified bubble system where uh, we have medical staff on site in case anything were to uh, hint at an issue or some kind of scare. Um, we had separate eating areas. It was all very, very much up to CDC guidelines as we were CDC compliant. Um, and honestly, it's really dependent on the show, but in general, everybody in the industry who's still producing anything is taking measures of safety very seriously. And they are doing the best that they can with the resources they have. And depending on the budget, especially for the live broadcast style shows that are occurring, um, people are taking measures and investing in the safety of their people. And that is wonderful. It's also kind of heartwarming. I'm not going to say it's not uncomfortable to work in that environment because there's a lot of elements you have to think about that you never would have thought about and that you definitely took for granted before. Um, but it's, uh, it's definitely a change of pace jumping between the three different types. Um, I've, I've had most of my experience in the 100% cloud-based virtual mm. uh, events, um, but having now had the opposite end of the spectrum where I was live on site with other people. Um, it was, it was different and it was interesting. And the things you have to take into consideration are uh, very <sighs> unique. And uh, I always appreciate change and I always really do invoke it. So it was fun to reassess my environment, something I knew so well and so wrote. Uh, it was nice to think about it in a different light and things that are important to the people I'm working with, but also to my fellow colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, when you're micing somebody up, for instance, it's not even about consent anymore about like touching them and putting on the microphones. It's also about being properly sanitized before you go near them, making sure mm -hmm. they're doing their due diligence to participate in that respect and that relationship. And also them being diligent to return the items accordingly uh, once they've participated in sanitation exercises as well. I mean, it's, it's funny nuances to the new world that you have to take into consideration. And I think it's, um, we're doing the best we can considering the nature of what we do. Well, and like you said, it's still constantly evolving, but it's nice to hear that for those involved in some of these projects that are taking place at a specific venue or facility that everyone is trying to do what they can to follow CDC guidelines and make people feel safe as they work together to produce some of these events. Yeah, it's good. So, so Carrie, a, a question here then with all great information that you're providing to our uh, listening audience here is 
you know, how, how can one stay active and let's say put their name out there so that they can continue to see, seek work during this time? You're of course very fortunate uh, based on your experience uh, many people who are breaking in or many people who've been around for long periods of time are really uh, desperate just to get out and to stay involved. Um, and I understand that there are some limitations, certainly based on the environment. Uh, but what, what recommendations can you make, uh, no matter, let's say, what discipline that they're in? Can you yeah. provide us something? Um, yeah, actually. So... As you both know me pretty well, um, in this new place that we're at, uh, I mean, our industry always was really good about keeping us on our toes, keeping us creative, and um, never really allowing us to be complacent in what we did. This new virtual space is three times that. Um, everything you think you knew still applies, but now it's being applied in a different context. And having that flexibility, I think, gives people the advantage to survive and to make strides in the new environments we're functioning in. Uh, tenacity and honestly, audacity, like go like people that you haven't spoken to in years, any contacts or networking uh, figures in from your past, this is a good time to reach out to them because People and companies are getting inundated with demand for virtual shows, and they are having a crap load of uh, difficulty fulfilling these positions because a lot of people don't want to change what they're used to, but also they don't have the, the inner staff to support these events. So they're having to train people simultaneously, almost by fire, to get these events supported. And every show is teaching us something new about these platforms that have never been pushed to these these far reaches before um the extent that we are demanding out of these platforms that were never meant to support this many people be pushed to the edge the way they are um you as a person i can only highly recommend that you tell people that you know in the industry especially any labor staff or just in general staffing folks, if you want to learn something, they will happily connect you with somebody who will at least give you a Dropbox to start learning something. Um, I found a lot of success just randomly reaching out to colleagues from my past and being like, hey, I'm interested in learning some new stuff if you need people to do things. And I know that's really vague, but honestly, that's all it took for some of my other clients to come back and hire me for different opportunities, some of which I have very minimal experience with, but it's been a really great learning curve because it has context. And so um, being aggressive right now has been really fruitful for me and I can only highly recommend it. And then networking platforms like LinkedIn have yielded so much. Um, people are avidly posting their experiences right now and talking to them is already a door. Um, anybody who has like an interesting show that they've just posted about reaching out to them has really been fruitful to me and just starting a conversation with them invokes curiosity. And also they need help as well. People who are working right now are being run down by how much work they have. So um, initiative 
tenacity and honestly aggressive contact with people mm-hmm. is is really a good way to keep yourself relevant in this world but also be true like i i on i can't recommend higher uh initiative than just sticking to stuff that you like and going for it like i know uh, we have a, a tendency in our industry to be very competitive and overbloat ourselves with work because we like to be working. Like we don't know how to not work. We're very hard workers in our industry, but in this new virtual world, you have to be very flexible with the things you know and the things you don't know and how you fit in it. And it's just about trying it and being a little brave and not being afraid to try something new is definitely important in where we're at right now. I feel like that is such a great, honest answer. You know, so often we might be hesitant to reach out to those in our network or even those who are not just to see how we can help and get involved. And that is so important. Just trying and believing in yourself can go a long way. And as Carrie said, conveying the willingness to just learn. And I can't stress enough, like how busy a lot of these companies are. I know that we're still hearing a lot of the woes of like, of I got laid off. I'm not working for them anymore. Yes, that is all true. But the funny thing is that they can't, they don't, ha- they barely have enough time to schedule the shows that are already on the books, let alone bring in new people. So you need to reach out to them and make sure you are present in front of them. And, you know, a lot of us were used to the old world where people would just call us and book us. There was no, there was almost minimal effort on our part because people wanted us. That's not the case anymore. They're too busy. They, they haven't forgotten you. They're just too busy to individualize you in their schedule and just making yourself present. Could not stress that enough. Wow, some really powerful words there, Carrie. I mean, this certainly has been a great conversation with you. It's always nice to hear what you're doing from time to time, and we truly appreciate you sharing with our listening audience some great information about the virtual event space and how one might be able to navigate their own course during this time. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. Thank you so much for having me on your show. What a great conversation with Carrie. She really touched on some key items and was able to bring us some great insight into working through some of the challenges in this new virtual environment and provide a sense of direction for our own personal journeys. Here are a few of the takeaways. Number one, show initiative and tenacity. Make your willingness to learn and help others be apparent. Number two, utilize your LinkedIn and social media networks to make your presence be known. And number three, Stick to stuff you like and go for it, but also be willing to expand your knowledge base. Thank you, listeners, for taking the time to tune in today. We have some great episodes coming up, so be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, if you haven't done so already, please check out our website at sagetechlv.com for more industry updates and info. Until next time, stay safe, everybody. Mm -hmm.